Welcome to another episode of the Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast. This is the Minds on Muscle show. And actually, we should say that we've kind of got a really exciting announcement that I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we're doing a bit of a rebrand because we got a lot of things that we're sneaking under it. What are we doing, Glenn? Uh, that's a great question. And I know you're going to ask it. We are rebranding. You know what? I f- the way this podcast initially started was we were doing everything for uh, client-facing stuff. Not like you guys, but for our personal training clients and it was cool but what we found was that most people that were watching were actually exercise professionals wanting to know more they knew who I was they knew who Brandon was and we decided you know what with the advent of fitness promoters and so many exercise professionals listening to get that one-to-one client knowledge why don't we just double down and make this about you about the exercise professional that wants to blow up their business and have the life that they want so we are rebranding now officially to the Fitness Pro Mentors podcast and the Minds on Muscle show. So, I mean, openly, if you're thinking about this from a business end, it actually was just kind of a logical thing is that when we originally started Minds on Muscle, like Glenn said, it was really stratocentric and it was a lot of fun. And we have a lot of our members who still watch and listen to previous episodes. So if you check it out, there's a lot of information on really cool mechanic stuff as it relates to fitness. But as Fitness Pro Mentors has evolved from strata biomechanics to FPM, um, it just made sense that more people are finding us by looking up fitness pro mentors. And so now we've got some really cool stuff on the go and this gives us a lot more autonomy to add more and different styles of shows that if you're looking for this podcast on Spotify going forward it is underneath fitness pro mentor podcast. We have Glenn and I the minds on muscle show uh, on Fridays in the FPM group. I'm doing interviews with exercise Titans, which is a heck of a lot of fun and exposing you to a ton of people with amazing stories, student interviews. And we might even have a couple other cool things up our sleeves. So welcome to the, Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast, and we are the Minds on Muscle Show. Tremendous, Brandon. I like it. Everybody, business is about pivoting. If you are running your own business and you're not pivoting and not constantly adapting and reevaluating, you are in trouble. Happened to me during the pandemic. I didn't jump on the virtual thing and listen, we're not virtual kind of guys. We don't want to do very much virtual stuff, if any at all. But sometimes circumstances constraints make you have to do things a little bit differently. So we pivoted and we adapted and we encourage you to do the same. And we're going to talk about that and some more on today's episode. Brandon, tell them what's on the menu. Five pillars of personal training. And so this is something that I actually created um, for Strata and our staff development years ago because one of the things that I started to see as a problem, um, as many of you know, Glenn and I and many of you have been involved with lots of different academic settings, lots of amazing educational programs, tons of money, flying all over the world, um, RTS program, MSS, Jacques Force in the Nervous System, my PAP course, I mean, all these things, brilliant, high quality, lots of education. But one of the things that starts to pop up is that there is this general message within the academic world that you need to keep studying. You need to keep learning. You don't know enough. And if you don't know enough, you're not going to succeed. And I fell down this rabbit hole where we've got the skeleton behind Glenn. I would sit there and I would hold every bone, rubbing and figuring out every bony protuberance and naming every single bony bump and groove, which I do think is an incredible academic exercise. However, there's something that pops up that I learned from drumming, which I learned from my, my drum teacher, JP Bouvet, that turned into where we are now. This whole thing of practicing for the gig. 
And this is why I love talking about art so much when it comes to business and studying. Because in reality, if you think about everything that we do, there is always a combination, the schism between engineering, mechanical, physics, if you will, like hard fact things, and then the creativity and the freedom. If you think about what we're doing here, we have a podcast, we have an online marketing mentorship, we have a leader mentorship, we have some very mechanical programs, but what makes our brand amazing is us, the letters, the creativity that comes with it. And so all of this, if you will, has been designed, so to speak, to help deliver our product to our target audience with some fun and try to make sure that we have a really unique look with the blue and the black and the whites and all this kind of thing. So when we talk about you as a successful personal trainer, there's this thing that I love to say, and it's you have to practice for the gig. Glenn, I can say that I've shared my experience here, but I want to ask you, how much time have you spent studying things that you enjoyed, which is not a bad thing, but on the scope of how much it was going to influence your business, your practice, and your clients, maybe was not effective, efficient? The short answer is way too much. I think in personal training land, we often get stuck on spending time on things that we like and that interest us, but aren't necessarily going to help with the people that are in front of us. And I, I mean, it's one of those things where like, how do I even go back and count all the hours of stuff that I've done that hasn't really helped me? I spent time looking at like Olympic weightlifting and doing Olympic weightlifting certifications, multiple ones. I did uh, nutritional pers uh, precision nutrition certifications. I did all the stuff that I don't use now. And I'll be honest, I barely ever used a lot of them. And it was an hours and hours and hours out of my day. When we're talking about being a you know, six, seven figure personal trainer, uh, exercise professional entrepreneur, we're thinking about how do we maximize our return on an investment? And quite frankly, unless you're analyzing what it is that you're doing, where you want to go and where the gaps are, you're going to end up just studying and educating yourself on stuff that doesn't really matter. You know, one of the things that I definitely don't ever want to be, and now that I, I realize it, I, it's so clear to me is I don't want to be somebody who is 55 years old, doesn't have a steady stable of clients and money saved up for retirement, for my kids' education, for traveling vacations. And let's be honest here, let's be honest here for a second. There's a good chance that if you're watching this or you're listening to this or you're considering the FPM program, you've got some concerns of your own around what the heck is my career gonna look like and how the heck am I gonna put food on the table now but also in the future. I want to be abundantly clear as we go into today's conversation is that there is kind of two elements that we talked about with Jacques is that there are things that are going to mechanically have an immediate ROI or in the long term, right, money later, an ROI in the future that you can put your time and energy into. That's great. There are also things within this world that you enjoy. If you're like us, there are going to be things that you like to study and play with and explore that are just fun. So I want to say that as we're going through today's conversation, there's this gigantic umbrella that everything we're going to go through is about trying to be as pragmatic, as efficient as possible. But I don't want to sound reductionist to say you should never study these things. For me, trying to figure out what's going to influence my clients and my business is going to have the greatest ROI. But I am just a general nerd around some of the stuff that you guys and we like to talk about. I like learning about barbells. I like learning about coats on barbells and why that's different than black oxide coating. Like I just think that's stuff's kind of cool. But in reality, really has no dividend paying merit as to how it shows up in my business and clients. So we're going to talk about these five pillars. And these five pillars are things I'm really excited to talk about, really cool to explore. But at the end of the day, it's about trying to make sure that you are the most efficient growth in your business. So five pillars. Brandon, what's number one? 
Number one is the one that most of you are probably familiar with, and I'm gonna call it technical. In reality, technical is really coming down to all of the exercise exploration, all of the exercise stuff. And in technical, the word technical, it is everything from understanding physics and anatomy, the hands-on work that you do, the exercise machines. It really is all of the exercise stuff. But I wanna just kinda of emphasize that I did say there are five pillars, and of those five, 20% of it, I think, is technical. We spend a lot of time as a culture, as personal trainers, studying the heck out of one exercise, one movement, one thing. In fact, there is an entire culture around studying the barbell back squat. And I'm convinced that many people I know, many personal trainers, have spent more time studying squats and deadlifts than they have business practices. Technical, that 20% in reality, is all things exercise and anatomy. Now, when we talk about practicing for the gig, you exploring all of those things, the programs, the RTS programs, if you look at N1 education, you look at the MSS program, all of that, powerful, important, pivotal, actually. But I would encourage you to make sure that the things you're studying, and we're gonna go over a practical exercise at the very end of today's conversation, is working towards your target audience and their pains and emotional needs. I think that most exercise professionals, I think this is where people are going to get themselves caught or catch themselves. Most of us, when we start this journey, are focusing a lot more on the technical. And I'll be honest, I think that's okay. Because if your service that you're delivering isn't getting people to where they want to go, you have to improve on that. And most people aren't starting as their own independent entrepreneur, trying to get themselves busy with their own clients at their own gym or renting space out. Most people, for being honest in this industry, are starting working for someone else. And there's kind of like a feeder system where it's like, hey, you can work for me, I'll give you half the money, I'll give you the clients, I take the other half. It's a win-win. And that's great to start. And so a lot of people are going to start front-loading the technical end of things. Now, here's where I think a lot of people mistake, uh, make mistakes. And this is definitely the mistake that I made very early on, which is that I got good technically. I spent my first three or four years studying a lot of technical stuff, and I was decent. You can always improve, obviously, but I was decent. And it wasn't until maybe a year or two ago, maybe, uh, maybe three years ago, that I started looking at the marketing business end of things. And I'll tell you, I'm kicking myself in the pants now for not doing that in my first year, if not absolutely by my second year, because the ability to find your own clients, know how to talk and communicate with people, build out the systems necessary to make sure that if someone ever leaves, you've got a new client waiting in the wings that's ready to jump in your schedule is something that is going to relieve probably, I'm going to say 95% of people's anxiety. Right. So a hundred percent. And I, there's a little story that if you listen back to the episode I did with Taylor, I think I brought it up twice, uh, when we interviewed him and when I was sitting down with Taylor alone, um, I did say, and I don't want to belabor, like belittle how important technical is because in reality I went through a gigantic technical phase. And I think most of us do, we see strive exercise equipment and we get excited and we want to learn more about it. We see, a barbell, we see something really cool, we see the RTS program, we see these people teaching it, we wanna learn more about it. Fantastic, you need to learn those things. Glenn nailed it. You ultimately need to make sure that you learn the technical stuff to get the adaptations your client wants because if you can't get results, you're gonna have a super crummy business. Doesn't matter how great you are at selling, doesn't great know how great you are at marketing, you need to make sure that the lifetime value, the product, is good. That being said though, I said this to Taylor once because when I was 10 years ago, I was deep into my RTS phase and Glenn and Taylor and a few other people were coming to study groups I was doing at another gym. And I remember sitting across, and I can't remember who, I, which, who was there. I don't know if you were there, but Taylor was there for sure. And I stopped in the middle of a study group, which is a technical study group. And I said, you know what? 
if you guys stopped studying all of this stuff today and just focused on sales and communication language, you'd be very successful. You'd be six figure trainers and this is all you'd need. And I remember Taylor, he was not happy when I said that because at that time, because right, Taylor, yeah, no one was happy because they were there for the technical stuff. They were learning all of the RTS resistance training specialist program centric content that I was teaching at that time. We were reviewing concepts from that time, the continuum training program. They were excited and eager for it. And I said, nah, 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 you know, Right. I wasn't telling them that it wasn't important, but what I was trying to emphasize is that there needs to be this equal schism between these five things, in my opinion, but ultimately biomechanics, so to speak, and business, so to speak. So there needs to be this beautiful marriage. Now, on the technical end, the great thing about this is if you think about this from a practical perspective, and we're talking about studying. Studying, it's really, really easy to go down nervous system anatomy studying, herniated disc studying, and all this stuff. If you're someone who's working with a weight loss demographic and you're trying to help people lose body fat and keep body fat off of their body, that's fantastic. If you have a choice to study how the metabolism manages body fat and energy systems correlate with skeletal muscle adaptations versus osteoarthritis, in that particular example, you're going to be better off spending time on the weight loss side of things and learning about the mechanics of that relationship. Why? That's your market. That's what they care about. You can learn a ton around osteoarthritis and how that happens. And I think that you should. But if you were going to weigh the two things, learning about the metabolic adaptations that happen from exercise for weight loss is going to pay way greater dividends than you learning about osteoarthritis. Now, for Glenn and I, most people here at Strata, most of us are focusing, most of us are focusing on working with people who are struggling with problems in their body. Joint congestion, diseases, sensitivity. They have the the histomechanical influence of medication now or from previous time. And so we need to learn, we don't need to be doctors, we can't be, but we do need to learn about the influence of that rotator cuff tear. We do need to learn about osteoarthritis and the recovery process from hip replacements. That pays us way greater dividends, technically speaking, than learning about weight loss and the ketogenic diet. Now, is there value to learn those things? 100%. But if you're trying to triage, there's your divide right there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really as simple as you have a new client coming through the door. What are they asking for? Do you know enough about that to help them? Do you feel like you could improve? Oh, there's some stuff that you think you could learn? Great, go study that. I remember the first time I got my, uh, my first client here that had rheumatoid arthritis, this autoimmune disease, where, uh, I mean, the, the body essentially eats itself. It's, it's in constantly inflamed because it doesn't know any better for whatever reason. Um, rheumatoid arthritis, eight different joint replacements. This was, for me, like a landmark kind of um, person to be working with, right? And I did not know enough about rheumatoid arthritis or joint replacements to feel like I could adequately help this person. But I knew that in the week that I had leading up to our assessment together, I could spend five or six hours getting myself up to speed, learning what I needed to, to help this person. And pre-pandemic, we were working together and she was feeling really, really good. Now, obviously, because she has this autoimmune condition, she can't return right now. We're in talks to have her come back in January when things are uh, maybe a little bit better and she has uh, will be less sensitive to perhaps getting seriously sick and ill. It's just a reality of the situation. But because I spent the time learning about the stuff that was important right then and there, I was able to help this client earn more income, and it ended up being like a win-win for both of us. I get to help someone who really, really needs it in a way that no one else is able to 
because I understand the anatomy and the physics and I could brush up on her particular situation and she gets to feel good and feel like she can go travel in the, in the next couple of years, which is what she really wants to do. So it's really as simple as being like, hey, what's in front of me? What's making me a little uncomfortable about this? Okay, let me go start studying and learning about it. It's really that simple. Drum solos versus jazz swing. <laughs> and this is the whole reason why I love this analogy is I'm someone personally just a creativity. I love to play drum solos. I love to just go crazy. I love to learn how to play doubles with my right foot faster and play in different subdivisions and have full autonomy over all the things I love to do. But when I get hired for a country gig and I got to play a swing triplet pattern, there's no point in me learning all those crazy chops. It really comes down to the specific of who's in front of you. If you can learn more about rheumatoid arthritis and joint replacements so this particular client can get more out of their body so they can make more money and have the life they want, that is a win. But that brings us on to the second pillar, which I do believe is a super powerful one too, which I've already alluded to and is learning more about business. And in reality, super simply, most trainers do not have a good grasp on business acumen, period. The idea of marketing, the idea of sales, the idea of client relationship management, the idea of how to nurture a cold prospect, too warm, too hot, having those systems in place, streamlining content creation, because that is now a big part of lead generation nowadays and is almost a part of your business resume, how to have a website that connects to a mailing list, so that way when people join your mailing list, they receive some automated emails. All of these very small steps that we're talking about now, very top layer, are pivotal to your success because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. In fact, I know hundreds of trainers that are ridiculously awesome and the smartest trainers in the world, but today are still struggling to grow their business and practice, don't have clients in front of them, or if they do get people in front of them because they've done a good job with some other people, really, really are hard pressed to keep them in their schedule. And that's heartbreaking to me. And so that's part of the reason why we're so passionate about this podcast. But at the end of the day, you need to be focusing on your business. Cole's notes for me with this, before Glenn shares a bit around this whole thing, is that you think about the number of hours you spend towards studying exercise and studying all that fancy mechanical stuff, great. Do you devote the same amount of time towards working on your business? If you're not as busy as you want to be right now, I've said this in previous episodes, schedule off a 40-hour work week, even if you only have three hours of clients, and spend those other 37 hours learning about business and figuring it out. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're going to be working. Why would you not want to start working on that right now with the skills? They're going to pay a bigger ROI than sitting at home and playing Call of Duty. I can relate to every single one of those things. I, I, you know, I, th I think I may have told this story before about having one day, maybe five years ago, waking up and seeing like nobody in my schedule at a gym I was working at and then just having a pity party and eating cake and playing video games all day just to kind of numb the sensation of like, I feel worthless right now. Because that's kind of what we, we, we experience when we don't have people in our schedule. Now, I think this is where the CEO avatar becomes so important, right? We talk about our CEO avatar being the, you know, what does the $300,000 version of yourself um, look like? What does that, the person earning that much money per year look like? What do they do? If you're already doing close to that, what is the $1 million yeah, a year income earner uh, do? And you really have to square that off. Now, I know we, we, listen, this entire podcast really is a lot about marketing and building the business that you want. We talk about this really ad nauseum a lot. And we, if you want to talk about this marketing section, the business section, you can literally go back and listen to any one of our past 20 episodes and get a whole bunch of gems. Really what this comes down to at the end of the day for me 
is, it's a redundant word and I hate how jargon it is, but it's mindset, it's mind flow. And that do you want to be busy and do you want to be a professional or do you want to sit at home and feel bad for yourself that you don't have the clients that you want? If you are only training three hours a week, what are you spending the rest of your time doing? I want to shout out a, a guy in a program right now because um, he's working so hard is Ahmed Ahmed. This guy is an absolute beast. He's definitely growing himself and he's growing his business. And he spends hours and hours and hours a day studying the technical stuff. Him and I have conversations about how can he improve his consults? How can he improve the way he communicates what he does to people? How can he improve his technical sessions? He's doing all the stuff he needs to right now to grow his business. He could, if he wanted to, not spend any time doing that. He could lie around if he wanted to. And I know this is getting kind of randy, so I'm going to digress. But I'm saying it like this because you have to understand and you have to know that if you're not gonna work and you're not gonna take the steps you need to grow your business, then your business isn't gonna grow. And it really is that simple. It's great to sit and listen to this podcast and make notes, but unless you do something with them the other hours of the day, you're gonna be stuck where you are. And that's, as that's honestly no one's fault but your own. You have to take personal responsibility. You gotta take onus here because I mean, this is, this is why I started this whole thing. This is why we're doing this whole thing. Mm -hmm. is, uh, you can do whatever you want. Absolutely. You can have the career of your dreams. You can succeed. You can make it rain. Um, and why we're here, honestly, is because I actually don't believe at this point, I haven't seen anyone else that is speaking to you about how to build your business and really focus on developing a one-on-one -on -one personal training practice. Greg Mack does an amazing job with sales. Um, I really haven't seen anybody talking about different marketing strategies, different concepts. And I was thinking about this the other night. You know, I was actually <laughs> sitting around doing the baby thing. And I was thinking about strata. I think about work quite a bit because I like the creativity around the whole thing. I was like, you know what's great about this whole thing is like someone like Glenn, hate saying this, through COVID, can lose all of his clients and come back and be back to a pretty high level of clients within two and a half months. Yeah. And a big part of that is two things, his work ethic and then the lead generation here at Strata. And it's just, it works. And that a big part of that comes down to things I put a lot of time into, but it's because we studied the business stuff. And if you focus on it and you put the time in, heck, it's going to be a lot of work up front, just like your university degree and just like your biggest certification that you've got, but it pays dividends just like those things. I think about the mileage, you know, I'm, I'm going to rant here for a second, mm. but I think about the mileage I've got out of the RTS mastery certification, right? I, probably $15,000 altogether with travel and going to Tom purposes and, and teaching and stuff like that. Like a lot of time investment, spent a couple of years making that my life. And the information and the thought process I developed from that particular thing influences every single decision I make with exercise every day. So if you think about every minute that I'm working and the high value I see myself and working with my clients and helping change their lives, that $15,000 is a heck of a lot of money, but the ROI that that program pays for me is insane. You can do that with your business. Put the time in so that way it automatically does some work for you now. On that note, third pillar, communication. Oh, oh, love it. I think communication is a pillar that every human on the planet needs to focus on. I think it really is something that most people really struggle with, uh, learning communication tactics, learning how to talk to people, learning how to listen to someone and take that information that you hear and listen and figure out a custom solution and direction of that conversation. This does bleed into sales. This does bleed into client management. This turns into conflict management. Communication is something you just got to spend a time and a time on. And I got to say, of the five pillars of personal training, this is one of them. Communication, if you just get better at communicating, you're gonna get better at all things.
because all of communication practice takes all the technical stuff and the business stuff and helps it make it more smoothly integrate into your world. So you have to learn more about how to talk to other humans. If you can't learn how to deal with people, I mean, this is the whole business. It is dealing with people. This one grinds my gears, Brandon, because <laughs> because everything is everything is communication, and it's and business aside. If you become a stronger communicator, everything in your life changes. The relationship with your spouse gets better. Your relationship to your family gets better. Your ability to talk to strangers and understand people gets better. Your ability to really understand what people are trying to tell you when you're sitting down with them in consults, it's better. You, you get to uncover things you would never uncover. And this is one of the reasons why we have a full hour, I think it's an hour-long module inside our Fitness Pro Mentors program to help people understand communication theory and communication science. This is another one of those things where people don't, they underplay its value and they don't really study it. And you can see that people that spend a lot of time practicing their communication are by far and away the highest paid people. They're the highest paid people in the industry. Either they're sitting down with other people who are very successful and they're communicating and talking to them and they're building relationships that have a huge ROI for both parties involved or they're very charismatic and they're able to sit down in conversations and consults with people to best understand them and then best communicate how what they do is going to help that person, have that person, selling's not a bad thing, but have that person sell themselves on what you do honestly and ethically. There's no way around it. If communication is one of those things where you can practice at any time anywhere with anyone. I practice communicating concepts that I want to explain to, cl to clients in the car. I drove here 15 minutes today. I had a consult with someone that walked in the door yesterday to Strata, true story, walked in the store uh, yesterday to Strata. I sat down and talked to her for 15 minutes. She said, I want to come in for a consult tomorrow. I said, sure, let's do it. Came in this morning for the consultation and we sat. And I practiced talking to her and telling her about, uh, we have this piece in our sales, uh, the sales process called present your stuff. Present your stuff is really about me showing her what it is that I do and say, here's how this is going to help your problems. And I practiced that three times over, five, six minutes each on the car ride over, and it went so smoothly today. But that 15 minutes a day that I drive, that I spend practicing this stuff, goes a long way. Two things here. One, I become a better communicator, so I'm converting better, understanding people better. But two, and it ties in other stuff as well, is I'm studying for the gig again. I knew I had this console coming up, I was going to work on this piece in my process that isn't as great. Present your stuff. Nailed it today. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to have her for the assessment in next week, and then I'm going to have the follow-up report of findings. What am I going to do? I'm going to study for the gig. Brandon and I did this two weeks ago. We talked about it on our last podcast where I wasn't doing a very good job communicating to people in the presentation of what I do part, the report of their findings. But now that Brandon and I worked on that together, I'm far more confident more people that come see me for the report of findings want to come on as clients because they see the benefit and everyone's winning. Yeah, I, I want to clarify that Glenn wasn't doing anything wrong with his communicating. <laughs> it's more <Sorry>. just... <laughs> no, it's just, it's that... I mean, that's the, I mean, when you're talking to people, there are, there is soft ways to connect with someone and learn about the real reason why they're there. Glenda is, is a fantastic communicator, but there are strategies mm. uh, that we've learned over the years that really, really help us to streamline that connection process. So Glenn is, as you can tell, a fantastic communicator. And by the way, you want to get really, really good at communicating, do these two quick things. One, start a podcast. Mm. Uh, Dominic, when you're listening to this, 
start your podcast. It's been a few months. Come on, man. Uh, and then second, uh, try to do quick videos, like do stories on Instagram. Try mm -hmm. to do a concise under 60 seconds uh, education thing. Improvise it. And you'll see that you have to get really good at being concise over expansive real quick. We got two more pillars and then we're going to try to add some context into this. And the fourth one is actually one of my favorites. And in reality, it's a very powerful exercise and it is creativity. And honestly, the reason why I love to bring this up is that with everything that we talked about tech so far, technical communication and business, uh, the idea of practicing creative intelligence and exploring being creative and improvisation on the fly is what's going to let you work with humans. Um, adding some context, you think about technical stuff, you learn all this amazing biomechanics, Great. How can you be creative with the biomechanics? Well, if someone has arthritis in their knee and it hurts only when they go into concentric knee extension, how many different creative ways can you come up with to help strengthen their knee extensors without actually bothering that pain? That's a huge thing. It's not just as simple as doing this one exercise. And this is where I detest people saying, what exercise should I do for this? I mean, as far as trainers go, because as trainers, you should be able to figure out the anatomy and the physics parts to come up with a dozen different strategies so you can have a strategic variation to exercise them over time. Communication, you can learn different communication principles. And if you can be creative with those communication delivery styles, if you will, you can tell the same story about an exercise to a yoga person, to an attorney, and to a 13-year-old sports person to make sure that no matter how you're trying to describe this potentiation exercise, they understand the value of it. And then within business that comes back to the branding thing is how do you take all these ad advanced uh, very powerful systems within a business and creatively dispense them in a way that people can resonate with it marketing absolutely is a very mechanical thing but it's the love and emotion that you put into it that connects to people's pain points and to your target audience that really helps things become more streamlined so creativity is very very powerful and it's one of the most powerful things I try to teach when I was teaching a lot more and we try to instill in our students as much as possible when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. The more tools you have and the more the way you can understand what you're trying to build and create, the better success you're going to have because you're going to start recognizing which tool do you need for which job right now. And if you were a house builder and you knew how to do carpentry and electricity, but then you weren't so great with plumbing, do you think you might try to start studying some plumbing to get better at that? Yeah, probably. So you can start integrating that into the solutions that you provide for people when you're going to build their houses. One of the reasons why I love the creativity piece is it's one of those things where, you know, I don't think you necessarily deliberately have to go out and study it and try to make things happen, but it definitely helps. And having some other endeavor that isn't just exercise is a great way to do that. Or it could be exercise too, if that's just the thing that you love doing. You know, Brad and I regularly, Brad and more than me actually, but we both regularly have uh, lab time. I know Brandon comes in every Saturday and every time I see Brandon, I'm like, Brandon, what are you training today? When I see you on Saturday, Brandon's like, I don't whatever I feel like, I'm playing with some stuff today which is him trying to feel out different exercises, see how different pieces of equipment works for different things. And so he's working his creativity process, stretching himself so that when he works with his clients, he's got even more tools to help him in different ways to help service these people. And that and it's fun. You know, being able to take an hour out of your day, just be like, you know what? I'm playing with stuff today. We're gonna see what happens. Let's go. No attachments to anything. It's almost like a great meditation as well, which is something I'm a big fan of, meditating, sitting, just being with yourself, but being lost in your creative process and being in that flow state and being able to feel that flow state, the more often you're in that way, translates to all aspects of your life. Really, it does.
Number five. The final pillar we're talking about today is mastery. And I know this seems a little, it's a little bit more out there as compared to the other ones. Because the other four, you could think of deliberate exercises. But I do think a vital pillar in your studying regime should be challenging your current status quo and the current information that you have on your palate. The most powerful thing that I've ever done, and I encourage, I've encouraged Glenn and everyone else here to do, is if you have a particular methodology or way you go about doing things, try to get more information so you can learn more to figure out how you could be doing that better. There are many education processes that I was involved with extensively, and thanks to friends of mine sharing tons of information that challenged my thought process, I now don't use many parts of those systems because I found more efficient ways to use exercise to help people get better adaptations within my particular business and using the assessment tools that we have. That comes from this mastery mindset that personally for me, I have no problem being 100% wrong. In fact, I would love to be wrong so I could learn the better option to move forward. There's nothing wrong with being confident with the information that you have, but concurrently, I do think equal to the yin and yang to that is confidence and delivery has to come with knowing that you don't know everything and it's absolutely okay to learn more, be challenged, and push yourself forward outside of your comfort zone. I don't do this too much nowadays because I don't have too many things like this, but most days, and I did this for years, and I would tell Taylor this when he was starting to do this, I tried to do one thing, one conversation, one thing that scared the pants off me every single day, just a little bit, because I knew if I was afraid to talk to someone about raising my rates, or I was afraid to talk to them about them missing their session under 24 hours, and I was nervous about that, or I was afraid of X, Y, and Z. If I could challenge those things in micro-progressed way over time, then I knew I would build up enough confidence to overcome other bigger problems. And so this comes from this mastery mindset. So I would encourage you for the fifth pillar to look at the tools that are on your current palette, business-wise, communication-wise, creativity-wise, technical-wise, and challenge yourself to learn more about that particular subject and completely blow things up so you can move forward and have the career that you want. The one thing on this road of mastery I would encourage everyone to do right now is go to Google and search logo, logical fallacies and biases. There's going to be a lot of great websites that come up. You can even just go to Wikipedia if you want. It's just not as you know, graphically designed as beautifully as some of the websites. But the th one thing I think that stops a lot of people from progressing the way they want to is not being able to reason out and see the errors in their cognition and the way they're thinking. Because you might think that you're studying the right thing and you might think you're on the right path but unless you know how to reason out and be logical about what it is that you're looking at, you might be wasting your time. You might not be doing the right things and you might be fooling and tricking yourself. There are, I think we even did a whole episode. On, actually, we did do a whole episode more on, we should do, we know we should do, we should do one on business biases and fallacies. Remember we did the one on exercise biases and let's, fallacies? Let's That'd be it. a great one. Let's do it. Um, but biases, like things like um, confirmation bias, where if somebody tells you something opposite to something that you hold to be true, you go out and you look up, is it true that, um, let's, like, here's a great example. Let's say that you don't like to do social media marketing and um, you, someone tells you, maybe Glenn and Brandon say, listen, we have great success with Facebook and social media marketing. We'd like you to try it. You might go out and look at why is social media marketing the worst kind of marketing? And then you'll get all these websites telling you why it's awful and you're validated in that moment. 
versus going out there and looking up why should I be doing social media marketing? And then you'll see all these reasons why you should be doing it. But because you came from a place of I'm looking for confirmation from what I already know and you phrase the, the question, you're looking a certain way, you're going to get biased information, stuff that you already want to hear. And let me tell you something. The world is riddled. Your brain is riddled with all these different things that we do to trick ourselves into thinking that we're, we're right or to think that we're doing the right thing to save us some processing power, but also a little bit of ego as well. That's actually one of the great things that I got out of Greg Mack's ethical selling course was actually understanding the way all these biases um, play into and all the logical fallacies play into the way I've been making decisions with my clients. And once I understood all the different ways I was tricking myself and ignoring the information that I should have been looking at, things fell into place. The way I was helping my clients and the results they were getting literally doubled because I could start seeing things differently. So I mean, I'm a huge believer in looking at biases and fallacies and understanding how your brain works so that you can master things quicker and more efficiently. I mean, cognitive dissonance is a real thing. People are really trying to avoid, people want confirmation. They want that confirmation bias and they don't want to see things outside of the way they see things. And some people have a really hard time getting outside of their comfort zone and seeing things in a different light. So it's a real thing. So tell you what, to button up today, let's do this. We got these five pillars, right? Uh, Glenn, tell you what, help me out here. Okay. So we're going to go through an exercise. Give me uh, a specific target audience with a specific emotional need. And we can talk about five things that people can do to try and work towards that using the five pillars. Um, let's do uh, golfers who have elbow pain and they want to drive the ball farther every time they golf. Cool. So we got golfers, elbow pain, and people that want to hit the ball further. So, mm -hmm. I mean, from the technical end, super easy. There's some amazing certifications out there that teach you a ton of stuff around golf and golf swings. I mean, one thing that you could do that would be kind of advanced that might be practical is if someone wants to hit the ball further, you could learn more about different types of golf clubs to see if there's any specific type of golf club that helps with that and then how that influences and how much friction there is or vibration there is that comes back to the particular user. You could look at different devices technically like the Pure Torque device like Jason Braun or even and how you would use something like an isofit to come up with creative applications for exercise there learning about different anatomy parts and different language i mean one of the big things from a technical end within golf is you'll if you go to a golf place uh, any golf place you go to a driving range and you talk to golfers uh, you're going to find that there's specific jargon and things that people say and specific things they talk about before we talk about the jargon a lot of those conversations will give you indicators of how they like to think about their body technically speaking, what they do with their feet, what they do with their hips. So catching those nuances and learning about them so that when you speak to someone and you say, hey, we're going to do a rotary torso exercise, I want you to think about it this way, the actual technical jargon lines up specifically with the golfer. Communication-wise, that leads right into what I was just saying. Jargon-wise, that when you speak to a golfer, there are different affluencies of people that go golfing. There are also different people, different language that golfers use within their own niche. So hanging out at a driving range, going to these different golf courses and talking to golfers to figure out the language they use is absolutely pivotal. So that way you can actually learn how to speak that language. Business-wise, very different, but you'll start to identify that these markets, these people are generally of different demographics. There are people who have some acumen, so to speak. They've invested some time. They're educated demographics, generally speaking. So when you're looking at creating content to speak to the target audience, we want to make sure that we speak to these people at potentially a higher level, different language, maybe a little higher um, 
vocabulary and jargon. So we're speaking to them. Business-wise, the marketing absolutely should lean towards making sure that they don't feel like the pain is going to stop them from hitting the ball further. To feel like that they're going to get more out of hitting the ball further and they might have more social status, might be able to play better, might be more competitive. Um, and making sure that everything you do in your sales and retention process comes down to golfing. Because although you're a personal trainer, it has to come back to their emotional needs. Creativity, I mean, I have different examples. I mean, one thing you could do from a creative exercise if you want to is pick one golf club and try to come up with an entire isometric workout just from using that golf club. And then mastery, I would suggest starting with looking at one of the biases or mainstay opinions that you have around the entire golf thing. Like for example, maybe rotary torso exercises is not very good for golfers, maybe following some of the Stuart McGill stuff and looking at that from a mastery end and go, okay, wait a second is there a way that I could do rotary torso exercises that is safe and would line up with these golfers worldview? How can you review all that? And all of a sudden, those different ideas that I showed you of the five pillars gives you kind of like a very simple framework of how to study to help support your business. Learning more about weight loss for a golfer may not necessarily pay a great ROI in contrast to learning more about some of the structural problems and mainstay problems that these golfers are going to have from playing golf. So, I don't know. What do you think? I think you nailed it, Brandon. And I think there could be any number of different ways to parse out every single one of those things. And part of that is looking at who's in front of you. Are you getting golfers who are in their 20s, who are young guys coming up on the pro tour? Are you getting golfers who are in their 50s and 60s that just want to keep golfing? Yeah. Right? I mean, there's different, there's different ways to chop this up and slice it up and study for the gig and all that kind of stuff. I know I think that was wonderful, Brandon. Glenn, what's your pick of the week, man? Oh, man, I had it just a second ago in my brain, but it's since escaped me. Oh, I got it back again. So small little technical things I think make huge differences. I've been using a screen at home uh, that's like a traditional laptop looking size screen. But what I invested in over the weekend is actually a, a gaming screen that is much wider. So if your typical screen is, I know you got me in the thing here, but can you do me? Yeah, can you bring it out? Can you bring it out? Like this, I guess, I'm not doing a good job. My screen is much wider, I'll come over here. It's like this now. Actually, Brandon's got one over there. Um, but the whole idea here is that I can have a much wider screen so I can have all the tabs and stuff open that I wanna look at at the same time. This is gonna save me time and money and energy from having to keep going back and forth, clicking between tabs, which I find very, very irritating and frustrating, and just be able to have everything open at one time. Quite, freak, uh, quite frequently, I'm doing FPM calls, and I've got Zoom in one place, I've got my calendar on the screen, and I've also gotta be making notes for these people while I'm at it, and maybe I wanna have some other tabs open too if I wanna send them videos or something, and clicking back and forth, I get lost. Sometimes I get frustrated because I'm like, oh, I gotta keep going back and forth, I feel like I'm wasting time. Now that I've got this nice wide screen, I can actually have up to three different windows open. I got my Zoom, I've got like one tab for the call notes and one tab for me to click through to send them videos and stuff I want them to look at. It's easy, it's streamlined, the calls are going much better and I'm delivering more quality content to people. And I've actually also ordered another HDMI cable because I'm not actually just going to be using my one monitor that I just got. I'm actually gonna hook up my second monitor because you can do this as well. I'm gonna keep my second monitor on my desk. I'm gonna have this one super long monitor plus a third monitor on the right-hand side to have even more stuff up there so I can have even more things big, blown up, streamlined so I can create all the stuff that I need to. I'm very excited for it. The last thing I'm gonna say, because I know Brandon's a big proponent of this, is those small little things that we do every day 
that cost us seconds here or there, they add up over time. If I'm constantly clicking through things and calls and I might spend 30 seconds clicking over one call and I'm doing five calls in a day, that might be just five or six minutes of time. But then what about all the times I'm clicking through stuff when I'm creating things? And what about over the course of a year? I might be saving myself a full day over the course of the year. I wouldn't be surprised at all by streamlining my stuff. And what can I do with an extra 24 hours in a year? Pfft, sky's the limit, baby. I absolutely love big screens for the multitasking side of it. So um, for my pick of the week, uh, one of the things I've had a lot of people ask me about is podcasting lately, which is super cool. And so you guys have heard us talk about the Yeti microphone, which is a great microphone that's right behind us. It's actually right there. Um, but what I want to talk about actually is this microphone right in front of me. Glenn's bringing the Yeti over. Good. So the Yeti is a great condenser microphone to get the whole thing started. Um, 150 bucks plugs into your USB, which is great. But I would say that one thing with this microphone that I am not a fan of um, overall is just the quality that you get is it's very, very loud and robust because it's a compressor. It gets, it gets noise from all around, even if you modify some of the settings on the back. Great microphone. I am going to talk about this microphone, which you do need. It's a DSLR microphone, which does DSLR, pardon me, XLR microphone, DSLR's camera, XLR, which means you do need an audio interface to use it, but it's a dynamic microphone and it's a $100 microphone called the pod mic. And I got to say that, as you can tell, Glenn and I, if you look back, we've been using these microphones for a while. For $100, the dynamic microphone quality that you get is absolutely ridiculous. What I love about this is if I turn the microphone away from me, you'll hear if you're listening to the recording that as the microphone gets away from me, it rejects my sound so much more. And so what's cool about this is Strata is right there behind the camera. And so this is great because if I'm making noise, you can hear that when this gets behind the microphone, the sound drops off significantly. So dynamic microphones go one direction, condenser microphones pick up. I actually have a condenser microphone here from when we do three people up here, COVID not happened yet. Um, and it sounds great, but same problem. It catches up a lot of noise. So uh, Rode pod mic, great microphone for podcasting, great for getting started, Get for great for getting high quality audio. You start looking for it, you'll see a lot of people with this microphone doing podcasts because it's affordable and sounds great. Everyone, that was great. Thank you so much. That was a great episode. Fantastic. Everybody, listen, if you want us to help you blow up your business, we are always happy to talk with you. We do 45-minute calls where we want to learn about you, and then we'll give you some stuff that you can do right away to help you grow out, blow up your business, double your income. We want to see you succeed. That's why we do this every week. So if you ever want to chat with myself or Brandon, find us on the interwebs, find us on Fitness Pro Mentors on Facebook. We would love to help you. Fitness Pro, Monsters pod Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast. I said that wrong. I'll talk to you soon, guys. Fitness Pro Monsters.